I have no followers. I have only brothers and sisters, all in the name of cause. People are sheep. You understand me? They can't lead themselves. They need to be led. People buy and sell fear. They worship war. They crave war. But I'm not afraid of their wars. I created war. And I think it's time for the masses to wake up. Wake up. Wake up! Wake up and look at this line they're living in, man! The world is deteriorating between their toes. And they do nothing about it. They only stand there. They whisper and wonder, but they never do anything about it. But I've seen it all in my dreams and in my thoughts. And above everything else, I understand this is not the beginning. Stand. <laughs> she believed that everything she read in a book was true and that everything that I believed in was a lie. So, so I went up to her and I said, Miss Teacher Lady, what is it about you that makes you think that you're so much better than me? That makes you think you're so much smarter than me. Is it because, is it because your mommy and daddy paid for you to go to some fancy school so that you could wave this diploma around all of us? So that you could look down upon children and force feed them propaganda? Well, I say, nah. She looked at me and she said, Bray Wyatt, you are rotten. You stand for nothing she said Bray Wyatt the first time that I ever looked inside of your eyes I knew there was something inside of you I knew that you were evil <laughs> but I'm proud say that right now somewhere that teacher lady is rotting inside of some retirement home filled up with all of her life's regrets but I, Bray Wyatt, stand here in front of you today as a conqueror as a revolutionary as the man of a thousand troops and I say Miss Teacher Lady look at me right now I got the whole damn world in my hands Once I was done feeling sorry for myself and I decided to go out in the world again and see people, there were people everywhere, they would say, thank you, Bray, ma'am, when are you coming back home? <laughs> and then every once in a while, there would be someone I would meet that's truly remarkable and you, you know who you are. But these people, they would come to me. They would come to me and they would say, Bray, I just wanted to thank you, man, because I was in a time of need and I lost people that were close to me. And in this wicked state, I found your words, Bray. I found your words and I just wanted to thank you, man. You saved my life, Bray. truth is I, I don't think about stuff like that and the thing about that is is that I can sit here right now today and I can look all of you in the eyes and I can say that you were there when I was weak when I was vulnerable, when I was down. So I just wanted to say thank you. You all saved my life. Charm where niches meet. It's a classic here. Your producer Ben alongside your director Matt. Woo! The Shea Butter is getting himself lathered back up to rejoin us in two weeks. 
Until yeah, then... We're, we're just two pieces of bread rubbing together. Yeah, Matt and I are, are empty nesters here. <laughs> oh, our boy baby. Our 10-year boy senior. It's a time travel thing. It's a time yeah, travel yeah, thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's Benjamin uh, Button style. That, that's right. Uh, so, Matt, we're, we're going to start out this episode, and I'm just going to get us going by asking you a question. What is it about people from the Midwest who insist on calling people named Benjamin as Benjamin? Because your name is your name is Benjamin. Right. Okay. <laughs> your but, name's Ben or Benjamin for long. And like how Benjamin and how do you Franklin. and how do you spell that? I'm dyslexic. B e n b e n j a m i n. Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. You're telling me. So say. So say Ben. Ben. Say Jammin. Jammin. Say Benjamin. Benjamin. Close ben- enough. Because I am your Jammin in Jamaica in my heart. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. It's did ben- I tell you that? Benjamin. When- <laughs> yes, Benjamin. So, so, so. You're you gaslighting know the- my pronunciation of your name now. I had a phase in my life where i was like you you can just give yourself a nickname right no you can't like i i was i was like if no one has given me a nickname i can give myself a nickname and so i i went through a bunch of options in my mind of what a great nickname would be and can you guess matt what i chose for my nickname I thought of Come a, on. I thought of a bad one. I'm gonna hold that one in. I'm gonna hold <laughs> okay. That, I'm gonna hold that one in. See now uh, you can't. Oh, I can. Uh, <laughs> I I don't I, Goldberg. <laughs> or uh, Benjamin in Jamaica. How old are you? That's not even like, a nickname. <laughs> that's like an honorative. That's not a nickname. Like, like I 10. I I have a nickname at my gym. It's a nickname. Yeah. It's not like a Madadadabadap. I feel like I feel like any name that is not your, your name is a nickname. Yeah, yeah, but Benjamin in Jamaica is not a nickname. Yeah. That's just you Why not? riffing on your name. No, because it has Jamin. It's your whole in name. Jamaica. That's well, not what's a, your what, what's your nickname? It's so special. Doctor Satan. That's pretty cool, yeah. Damn. Can't can't hate that. Well, hey, we're talking about gyms today. Gems? We're talking about athleticism. Oh, we're talking about, about g- jamming. Gyms. Well, we are going to be looking at both topics today. So Matt and I gave each other some homework. Uh, we are going to be talking about the latest Gone Mage album. We're going to be talking about the most popular sport... In Mongolia, uh, but before we talk about that, uh, any thoughts on sort of the the patron saint of wrestling of fourth times the charm, uh, Bray Wyatt, oh. who passed away? We're starting last heavy. Week. I mean, it's yeah. It I, I think we we kind of we said it when we were chatting about it when we saw the news. It's it's the wrestler with the greatest potential, who's incredible storytelling character acting and ability was never fully realized or i guess was never we never got the ending to the story our 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 podcast series on him our two-part series one of our best episodes ever um ends on like the notion of like what's coming next um you know when it comes to like out of kayfabe um for like the actual like why uh Wyndham Rotunda like what's he gonna do next for his character and so on and both from a Wyatt perspective and a uh you know Rotunda perspective we're never gonna find out it's one of the worst in in my recent memory outside of Brody um Brody Lee Brody Lee and even then like Brody Lee was big but like Bray is a different kind of tier of fame of like performer and especially in WWE I can't think of another recent WWE star. It's like Seth Rollins dying. Yeah, I don't think 
I, I think it will be at least a decade before people really come to terms with what we lost well, with yeah. the passing of, of Bray Wyatt, not even as a wrestler, uh, but as a performer. Uh, like Matt said, we had a whole two-part series where we look at Bray Wyatt's career Ooh. through his voice, uh, both in character and out of character. It's a really good listen. Um and, Matt was on his S tier game. Oh, thank God for that. Oh. And um, I I feel like the real shame is when you look at someone like Jake the Snake Roberts, who I feel like is someone who has not the same mind as Bray Wyatt, but he's one of the few people who is in the same uh, genre in a way as Bray Wyatt. Someone who's very calculating in how he speaks mm. and the stories that he crafts. And and seeing the thought processes of, of Jake Roberts and seeing him still excel when he is used, heart, uh, health problems notwithstanding in AEW today, seeing his opportunities to shine, it's it really makes me hurt for what we're missing from what Bray Wyatt could well and could have been able to show us at his old age because we know now that Bray Wyatt was never going to wrestle again no matter what when uh because it because they were the the day Bray Wyatt died he was given um some sort of defibrillator to wear oh like the inter- uh, like an internal heart stem like a uh, like an it, actual it wasn't dev- put inside him. There was like an external one they put on him because okay. he had a medical episode. Well, he had he got, co- to- he got COVID and, and it exacerbated an existing heart condition, right? Yeah. So Bray Wyatt's family has uh, historically a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, not unlike Bo was afraid. Uh, oh, oh, different. Bo, but Bo, Bo Dallas, Bo. So Cox. he has the heart condition that i believe they identified in late 2022 Mm -hmm. 2023 he gets covid which exacerbates the issue evidently severely they gave him a clean bill of health and then that was about two weeks ago maybe Mm -hmm. three weeks ago now the following week he has another heart related episode where they go okay your heart valves aren't functioning properly um, not entirely dissimilar to what Keith Lee had. Okay. Uh, before he returned to WWE, uh, uh, two years ago, not too dissimilar from what Triple H had with his uh, Widowmaker. He still uh, has, right? Heart, like, I mean, yeah, but but he p- had something put in there. He had a, sp- a stint, or uh, uh, yeah, they, they put a, they put a tube inside I, of the I, heart valve to hold it open. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't checked specifically. I I don't know for sure, but that sounds good enough. Um, so anyway, he had this medical episode. They're like, okay, you're like, it's it is something where you're not going to wrestle again. You're just not. Right? Yeah, you can't push your heart um, that way. And so they gave him this temporary like it. The way I read it, it was described to me as like a vest, like a defibrillator vest or something. Yeah, a wearable defibrillator. And then he left that in the car, went to go take a nap, and an hour later he was dead. Was he supposed to wear it? Like yeah. She. We, oh. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, you know. No like, speculation. Yeah, can't really speculate about that. Yeah, whole... you can't really speculate on that. It, and it's like if he takes a nap right then, like maybe like that was you know maybe his body was already shutting down. We really don't. Yeah. No. I. The thing I was gonna I was gonna say earlier is with all this too is that we, I don't think we're ever gonna get another wrestler who exists exclusively in kayfabe. I don't think I think I don't we I will, don't I don't know where I, that I think exists. there'll be more wrestlers like that. I think it's going to be a while before we have a wrestler that both has the talent and the trust from higher ups 
to be able to go as far as Bray Wyatt was able to go. Yeah, similar the to Firefly like the Firefly Funhouse match that he had with John Cena is, is the, Bray Wyatt's magnum opus. It's one of the greatest matches in wrestling history. And, it's one and, of it's one of the greatest segments in wrestling history. If if nothing else, I'd say it's one of the best matches ever in wrestling. It, yeah, hundred it percent. It's one of the best things WWE's what, ever done. Yeah, it takes what Matt Hardy did with the final deletion and all of his cinematic videos. And it makes it something that's not campy. It made it something that was genuinely special and transformative of the genre. And through losing Bray Wyatt, we lose that voice. Mm -hmm. And so that that inspiration. Yeah. And so uh, we will march onwards but uh, we will we will never see uh, another Bray Wyatt. That's for no. sure. No, I and, mean, and I mean, he's a gener like I mean, MJF calls himself a generational talent. This is a generation because he's transcendent. I mean, like to the point I, that, I that think... we had a two. I don't. There's no wrestler who I would even be willing as like a fan of fantasy and storytelling and writing. To, to take the time to narratively deconstruct the in-canon interpretation of the story they told. No one other than like The Undertaker for, or Kane until a certain point had the ability to, or the, it was given the runway, you know, to show that kind of le- depth of character off. Um, the way people talk about MJF now through the platform he's been given at AEW is the way people should have talked about Bray Wyatt. But, but MJF is booked well. Right. That's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. But um, if to, to close out this portion of the episode, Matt, you were the person who, who really brought to life the, the threads that brought the Bray Wyatt character together. So I'll ask you mm-hmm. in storyline, what happens to Bray Wyatt? Well, I think what we see, I think what we saw, and I, I believe correctly where we left off the Bray Wyatt story uh, was that the original Bray Wyatt, the, the individual who sought the power through the Firefly Funhouse, through his cult machinations and, and development, Sister Abigail, succeeded. He was able to yep. absorb like the pure magical soul of John Cena, who was the paragon of good ma- of good magical re- representation WWE, and I think he transcended. And and it, what it, what's at the very now, least the the entity inside him transcended, right? The, which I think at that point in time was the real him, is what I'm saying. Sure. Is like the person, the the entity who was who we can give credit. For, in storyline for all of the amazing things we saw left. And what we were left with was a physical body um, that I think probably tied something greater than this world to earth. Um, And when you look at magical thinking and, and, and the idea of transcendence, you can't truly transcend fully um, until you are no longer tied to the material world. Um, and I think what happened was what we saw with Uncle Howdy and what we saw with the emergence of the final flickers of the Firefly Funhouse was the last vestiges of that power left trickling out, which is why it began to break down. Um, and the only magical thing that was left, because we, we talked about how an aspect of Bray's character was stuck in the fly, fly house. That's why it was so fractured and there were so many parts of his past represented. It was a way of of almost capturing and jailing those entities um and i think i think what what's happened here now is that bray succeeded where every other magical wrestling character or magical entity in wrestling history has never truly succeeded in their objective of reaching the transcendent state uh, uh, beyond this plane of this material plane beyond our ability to interpret their reality anymore um and that's where he is now you know, the Firefly Funhouse was just a, a, a small little glimpse into this magical world that he was able to tap into. And he's 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 beyond this plane of existence now, which is why we can't see him anymore. 
you you or, look at the uh he's a you, you look at the uh the the odd uh painting of 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 him in the Mountain Dew pitch black match uh and I I for a long time said that this indicates that he is a lizard person uh-huh and I you know I I'm not going to bark up that tree for the sake of this discussion uh but uh was it, that even it, it, really Bray Wyatt or was it a lizard pretending to be Bray Wyatt because that's that's see, what the go. lizard people do there the we lizard go. people are are the modern the I, okay, I did a lot of research on lizard people um if you really want to break it down outside of the historical and esoteric lore on lizard people which predates what I think is the modern inspiration for it now what I think happened is and I think is the case for a lot of modern conspiracy thinking is that nerds that were our age and older played video games and watched movies and they decided to structure their conspiracy beliefs about what those video games and movies told them to think about just like how i think a lot of modern conspiracy thought especially amongst young millennials so those below 40 um old millennials or anyone anyone below 40 who's engaging in like have like high denial of reality ancient aliens conspiracy are just assassin's creed fans um and the they are it's the same fucking story you can add like you know egg and chicken and egg here but like it they it's all of the bits that they are now being tied together in modern like conspiracy thought it's literally the plot of assassin's creed thanks uh, Ezio. yeah it's desmond actually who went back to Ezio's story and learned about it and it wasn't until desmond could go back through history that we could learn about the anunnaki who formed the planet but i digress um the uh the lizard people of today it comes from a bunch of nerds who liked marvel comics and and we just saw it on disney plus poorly executed evidently i haven't watched it yet secret invasion the story of the scroll scroll are green lizard like people who can transform into other people and the whole narrative storyline of that comic line was like you can't know who's really uh who's really who anyone could be a scroll um and that's what lizard people are in modern society because like is that politician a lizard that man went blah, 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 with his tongue lizard and you know what they did they captured bray wyatt's body because they they realized he had power and then they made a lizard person version and then they put him on tv yeah sure yeah we'll go with that we'll go with that well rest in power bray wyatt i like to imagine he's up there petting rowan there you go. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, but now we are going to move on. We are going to move on to our homework. My homework for Matt this week was to check out the national sport, the national pastime one of, of three, Mongolia. One of three national pastimes. But the yes, one that's one of most three relevant. national pastimes. The three national pastimes are horse riding. Yes. Archery. Yes. And number one, Mongolian wrestling, or as it's known as Bulk. Which is an awesome name for a, re- for a wrestling style. It really is. So uh, I introduced this to Matt, but Matt's the guy who actually has experience with grappling. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I've been having a... Uh, I feel like he's been teaching me just as much as I've been teaching him. Uh, Bulk is really fucking cool. Um, yeah, it's fascinating as a grappling fan too because it. it, it, it we talk about this at my at my gym, Tenth um, Planet of Chicago. Fucking represent. Um, we talk about it there all the time, and our coach talks about how like combat and grappling as a as an act is is truly international because it's a human thing um and as cultures have evolved and taken their own lenses on what grappling looks like specifically to them like there's turkish oil wrestling which is uh, and then where they don't wear anything on top or covered in oil but they can reach inside the pants and to get grips um and it's similar to this there's uh like there's ugandan toe wrestling where you can only touch your opponent's feet um but has a similar very similar rules to this where the match ends as soon as your opponent touches the ground with anything other than their hands and their feet. 
Yeah. Um, so this is a great lens. Yeah, this uh, seems to be, from everything I can glean, one of the oldest and least altered forms of grappling. Mm -hmm. There are images in the area from roughly 7,000 BC of two naked of of two naked men grappling, surrounded by a crowd, surrounded by people, which would suggest that 9,000 years ago, this was th that people were wrestling each other or grappling in some sort of form for sport, right? That's mm -hmm. already cool. Uh, there were different forms of grappling uh, around the time that Genghis Khan came to power. Nice, nice. And he was the person who sort of unified uh, these different wrestlings into what became known as Bulk. He, he was the guy, not, not only did he unify uh, Mongolia. all this land, yeah, not only did he unify he did, not, not only did he build the largest land empire in history. Yeah, not only did he do any of that, more importantly, he standardized Mongolian wrestling. That okay, that <laughs> one. Not it's yeah. not it's not it's not reaching the Baltic Sea. Yes. <laughs> so what is and being bulk? so scary Vikings just left no, Russia? Fuck him. Fu fuck that shit. <laughs> wrestling. Wrestling. Sorry. This is Whoa. What, <laughs> it was it was Matt, it was the, car, this or the, the Great American Bash 2006. We so. could have just talked about all out. No, fuck that. Everyone talks about all, all in, all out. Uh, it was a great show. It was a great show. It was a but historic. It's it was not bulk. It was a historic achievement, but it's not bulk. Eighty-one thousand. Uh, bulk translates directly, Matt. Do you know what it translates directly as without looking it up? No. <laughs> it is durability, which is a very sensible translation. Oh, durability. Uh, durability. Yes. Hmm. Uh, it's an interesting is, way of describing it based on how they actually compete, too. The the basic idea of these guys competing, and Matt, you can probably describe it better than me, but I'll give we, it a shot uh, here. Okay. Here, you you take it. How would you describe it? So, okay, so Falk as a modern, as a wrestling style in relation to modern wrestling, um, they it is a grappling match where both men begin standing. Um, it's important to note that each man wears a traditional set of unified gear, which involves a pair of tight padded shorts and a back half jacket. So there is no, um, there's no jacket in, like in the front, like a traditional gi, um, but there's a belt imagine, and a jacket. Imagine on back. Toad from Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, or a gi with the front cut off. Um, and a, a crop top. Whichever one you guys yeah, whichever, relate to Whichever of there. those two references you understand, it's that. Um, yeah. ba basically, the intention of the sport is very similar to modern wrestling or judo or sambo. But the match ends the moment your opponent touches the ground with any other part of their body other than their feet or their hands. And uh, based on what I've observed and from what I've read of the rules, you're allowed to get your opponent to that position Basically doing whatever you want without striking or grabbing the genitals, eyes, ears, or nose. No um, submissions, no strangling, yeah. no joint locks. Okay, they say no. You can't. They say no strangling, but you can throw your forearm into your opponent's throat if they drop down to try to grab both your legs out. Um, Street rules. Yeah. Well, it's it, yeah, it's called the ninja choke. It's it's like a, in in modern American wrestling, you can't choke your opponent, but you can put your hand around their neck and hold it really tightly while you're doing other things. Um, and I think it's very similar to that with with uh, with Bach. Though we are watching. I wonder. I would I would say it'd be interesting for us to go and watch some like regional Bach tournament versus the national games because this is a this is a national sport this is important to the culture of mongolia and so annually they have a big competition uh and tournament um that represents yeah. like the entirety of central mongolia which is primarily the region of mongolia where this sport originally and these games these um regional annual games come from is this is a centralized ass part of mongolia 
Uh, but yeah, really, so- it's just like judo. You just you, all you do is throw them on the ground. As soon as they hit the ground, you win. That's yeah. It. Except with these guys, they are the most jacked, yeah, big, giant motherfuckers it, on the planet. They're sumo it's wrestlers like, with no fat. Yeah, it's like if Miro is grappling with Braun Strowman for mm-hmm. my wrestling people here, like they are jacked as shit motherfuckers but like, not like not like like body they're, they're not jacked. like roided they're out just stacked they're people. just big they're farm they're, they're farm big if you've ever yes. have you ever met a farm hand who's like 17 but has been lifting like 200 pound barrels his whole life on a farm that's how these dudes look they look like brock lesnar if he had like a rounded belly yes like no yeah. roids like average, not like roided out build Brock Lesnar. So some, some details on bulk, uh, bulk. the way it was described oh. from my reading, traditional bulk, like the industry standard, we'll call it has 40 base techniques, but it has over 600, what they label as tricks, which are like various setups or techniques that can be used to help you win yeah. um, a grappling match. For for those there who know is, modern wrestling or jiu-jitsu, it's wrestling. Yeah. There are several different types of bulk even to this day. The most popular style, pardon me for my pronunciation, the fourth time is a charm classic here. Uh, Kalka bulk is the most popular style. Uh, it's, it's in... It, it's... Uh, it's a like the largest ethnic groups in Mongolia sort of hover around this technique. This is the one that's most popular. It has the most notable rule set for the different regionals as well. There's also Southern Mongolian or Korchin, which uses a different outfit, leather jacket, long pants, and special boots, okay. which changes strategy. There's Inner Mongolian where there are no leg attacks allowed. Wait, uh, oh, so you of, can't touch the legs. You can't touch the legs, so they stand more upright. Oh, that's funny. Uh, that's interesting because inter- I was going to say that's interesting because there's forms of Greco-Roman um, and modern American wrestling where it's the same way, where you can well, do all so, the grappling, but you can't touch the legs or the crotch. And the interesting thing is this is the closest to how ancient mongol warriors trained so this is mm-hmm. the closest to like the old school style what we uh, watched or the in, no leg version uh inner mongolian no okay. leg attacks and hmm. also for this one if anything outside of the flat of your feet touch the ground you lose so, so hands if, side if your, of your ankle foot. hand if the top of your foot touches the ground you lose. Mm. So it's a very much more upright, uh, like grapple. chest to chest kind of. Yes. Uh, there's also bulk Nolodun, which is from Western Siberia slash China. I feel like you made, Who, you, made, you made that way more Hispanic than it normally. Prob- would be I mean, I'm in LA here, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. That was the Hulun LA pronunciation Buyer? of a Siberian uh, sport. Hulun Buir, which Hulun is Buyer. no force contact. No moves between legs and hands, but kicking is okay. Wait, no moves between the legs or hands? What does that mean? Can you just, like, chest bump and kick? So, like, sort of, yeah. It's, it's like, it's the thinking man's bulk is how it was presented to me. I want to watch that. I I really... Because there's... the, The real big thing is there's no force contact. So, in the other forms of bulk, you guys start out in contact with each other, touching each other. Similar right? to judo supposed, or, or gi jiu-jitsu yeah, where you start with You're grips. supposed to stay engaged with each other. Whereas with this version, Hulunbuir, H-U-L-U-N-B-U-I-R, there's no force contact. So it's a lot more strategic and so trying you, to get in the right position. So kind of like American wrestling where you start separated from one another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. That's how modern jiu-jitsu uh, is as well. You don't start touching. You start completely separate. There's or modern Buryat, MMA. Seen around Siberia. Koresh from the Great Central Asian Plain. Mongolian Bull. Bulk. Where your back needs to touch the ground. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's more. But those are the main ones I was 
introduced to. Um, this is a sport that is steeped in tradition. And just by watching a few clips, you can really get a good vibe for it. The outfits, is, as Matt said, everything is very symbolic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all wear four-sided hats, one for each province. Uh, and they have a top knot that represents the five regions of the Buddhist government. Um, they also now in modern times wear a golden knot on their hats that displays mm-hmm. significant achievements um, and a silver or golden badge showing their rank. The color scheme of their outfits are red and blue, which is to represent land, sky, and water. Yep. Um, and, and, it, and, and, it mim- and it mimics traditional Mongolian armor. I'm actually watching um, some inner um, inner Mongolian wrestling, um, where you still they still wear the traditional leathers that they would have used in grappling, and it and it's and it makes complete sense why the the book clothing looks like it does because it's very similar to the leather um, vests that were worn in in Mongolian combat. So by I, soldiers I, for training. So Matt, I don't know if you've. Um encountered a sport where where boots are symbolically so important but Mm. seeing this you know a a lot of importance was placed on the boots that would be worn for bulk uh there's only just like lucha masks in mexico there's only certain people who can actually make the proper boots it takes several months to actually get them made it's a very long and involved process uh their leather boots it's called the gutal the gutal yes um, and that's a specific and, and so, type of boot they must wear and so it reminded me of wrestling because you know in pro wrestling they place such significance on their boots and i was like this is a pretty cool you know coincidence because because i don't feel like the boots are something that really translates over to other sports mm-hmm um, no, also, yeah, like traditional footwear is not something you see in a lot of even modern grappling sports. Like there's like traditional clothing, but like from like I like I mentioned outside of like national like historic sports where this where bulk is still played is still competed in not on just on these big national cultural events that's actually like competed in around the country all the time. Yeah, I think the- I think something we haven't mentioned, which I think is the coolest thing, one of the coolest things about it is the fact that each competitor has an encourager or a, yes. or a Zaz, Z, Alulu, I, whatever there, there's a Mongolian. They have an encourager. They have an encourager, which who, if they make it to a certain round of the competition, you know, like, I think it's like around three, five and nine or three, five and eight. Uh, they sing a special song um, to like hype them up and tell about their praise. And the, t- and the they're really fard. Yeah, they're real life part. Yeah, they're, they're casting an encouragement spell. And if you make it to the final round, which I think is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in competition, um, all of the other encouragers that, of the opponents you've beaten in the previous rounds stand around you at the begin- before you walk out into the court or the field for battle. And they all pretend to fall down like you've just beaten them as a way of symbolically I- representing that you've defeated all of their competitors that they were there to encourage. I which is was born beautiful. to be an encourager. Yeah. I was oh, born, like that's my, that's like, your new nickname. Life. The encourager, the encourager. There we go. We should ask your wife. That That's accurate. The, uh, the big tournament, there's tournaments regionally all across Mongolia, but the big tournament is at the Nadam festival yeah. every year. The Nadam tournament is the biggest tournament I have ever heard of in my life. 1,024 competitors yeah, for in this tournament. Press, for 10 rounds. 10, yeah, yeah. 10 rounds you have to go through to become the winner. And depending on how well you do, you gain a special rank. Mm-hmm. If you win five rounds... You are Falcon rank. At six, you are a hawk. At seven, you are an elephant. At eight, you are the Garuda or Phoenix. 
Dude, Garudas are nine, really fucking are... cool. We gotta do an episode yeah. on Garudas. At nine, you are a lion, and at ten rounds, you are the champion. And once you have that title, you have that title for life. And if you win twice, you become the titan. Yes. If you, you have be, two, you become... if you're the titan uh, uh, of the sport. Yeah, you become essentially a master of masters. And at this and at this competition, it's it's the uh, it's considered one of the games of uh, the three games of men, which historically were it was actually just three games that were done as like war ceremonies and games to represent like what was important to the military class of um, of Mongolia and the Mongolian people. And to this day, um, it is a very patriarch patriarchal sport, but um even in national mongolian events they've they've started to allow women to compete in the the in the horseback riding and the archery segment they have yet to allow women to compete in in balk but maybe one day we'll see that represented um, legend like- has it actually matt that the reason why the vests that they wear in bulk tournaments mm-hmm. uh has an open chest is to prevent women from playing that's some some bullshit right they wouldn't even change the grips i know I if know. they like they could like wear if, they, if you if you were trying to like do some like force decency thing um because because of like modern patriarchal control of women's bodies you could like wear make them wear a shirt and they wouldn't change the grips of the competition i will say probably my favorite thing about watching the competitions is the pageantry Everyone yeah. dances before Af- a match yeah. and after a match. And they dance in a way to simulate various um very various animals. So like we mm-hmm. watched a compilation of the winner of the 2023 Nadam tournament, and he was emulating, I believe, a falcon. Yeah. And so he would finish a match and then he'd, you know, flap his wings really majestically. Uh, there, there's several other small traditions. They have these uh, cords that they tie around them and they sort of circle around each other if they lose a match to them as a, as a sort of symbol mm-hmm. of this is yours now. Um, it's It's really cool to see something from a culture that you really don't hear a ton about here in the West. And, and, and also to see how the, the small ways in which it relates to things we are familiar with, which you, Matt, are, are much more educated on than I am. Well, it's, it's exactly what I, I was going to say uh, prior, which is that it's, it's fascinating because of the clear cultural impact it's had on sports and grappling styles that we now see and grappling and, and to, I mean, it's all ties back to the golden horde and Mongolia's role in um, spreading their culture and, and adopting the cultures of others. We see Sambo in the Kazakhstan and Russia region. We see judo being very huge in, in, in modern Russia and all of the different um, wrestling and grappling styles that come out of that, that area. And it's, it's interesting because grappling is almost as in, intricate to like human society as like eating meat is. Um, as soon as humans engaged in conflict amongst one another, or even against an an animal, we've been using and developing the grappling skills that we see around the world today. And we can see how they, each of those kind of styles became very relevant to different cultures. Um, and this is a great, great little niche lens into a sport that I think very few people are probably as aware of, especially because compared to some of the other regional grappling styles, like Turkish oil wrestling, it's not called Turkish oil wrestling. Um, it, it's relatively mundane. It's basically judo. It's kind of like Sambo, um, but it's an incredible sport. Um, I hi- if, you're, if you're a grappler, I highly recommend you go and watch it. If you like, even if you like pro wrestling, uh, if you like sports in general, I think it's really interesting to dive into this, um, this sport. Um, and if you are a grappler out there, uh, especially if you do jujitsu or, uh, jujitsu or any kind of, um, non-traditional restrictive grappling style, I highly recommend you go and watch some inner Mongolian wrestling. Um, because I have never seen such good foot sweeps. Um, if you don't know what a foot sweep is, imagine if someone grabbed you by the, by the lapels of your shirt 
and then kicked your feet out in front of you and slammed you on your back. And now imagine if you could do that with precision and, ex- and expertise. Um, and the video Ben and in the video Ben and I watched with it, it was actually a little bit less common. Um, it was a lot more traditional pushovers than like like uh, like leg picks, like low single leg picks. Um, where if you, when you watch the Inner Mongolian, which seemed like a more like rough and hardcore, so they're playing like in like high grass and like a really in like a random field somewhere. And they were foot sweeping the hell out of each other. So it's great. It's great. You got to explore every aspect of, of a subject that you care about to really learn a lot about it. And just like we do with music or movies, the more that we get to touch on niche and smaller subject matters and things that influence other things, the better we'll become when it comes to critically analyzing anything we watch. And all I hope for is one day we get a Mongolian Bach professional wrestler um, who utilizes some of these styles and isn't like exceedingly racist and culturally insensitive for fucking real. <laughs> and on that note, Matt, you gave me a piece of homework as well. I know. And I want to touch on that. I want to touch it a lot. Ooh. In fact, it is the latest album release from gone mage. Yeah. God, okay. gone mage. Uh, uh, a, a I don't know why I said it's so weird. But it sounded like yes. you wanted to say Gary Brent's gone mage. Um, shut up, <laughs> K-Fabe. K-Fabe. It's his fucking Instagram. I'll keep K-Fabe for him. Regardless. Gone Mage is the prolific, innovative, and I think like cultural shaker, um, uh, chiptune black metal artist. Um, Gone Mage existed as a storyline, um, and side project for, um, the, produ- uh, for the one man behind it all, Caligrim or Gary Brown. Um, who makes and produces all of the a slew of bands and, and, and musical approaches. Now, starting back with Mystical Extraction, uh, Ben and I uh, became aware of this band. Um, I fell very deeply in love, especially with Mystical Extraction, which to me still is like, I still think it's my favorite release. I have, if, if you could see Ben and I's video feed right now, I don't know if I've showed this to you, Ben. Uh, but I have a, uh, a custom magic card made by, uh, Gone Mage himself. Oh yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. So that's part Can of Can confirm. One of my I most can proud. It. It's shaped like a card. Shut the fuck up. Uh, it's one of my most proud pieces of black metal history, but to bring it all back, back to, back when Mystical Extraction came out, um, Gone Mage was really producing a brand new innovative style of black metal incorporating chiptune and black metal together into this beautiful like soundscape um, that we had yet to see um, in my estimate at the time there's some artists who had incorporated some aspects of it there are, are artists like master Boot recording as many side projects that have incorporated more traditional metal instrumentation with synthetics and synthwave this was a truly unique expression and we have been following him as a podcast since that first release Gone is like a bakery there's nothing fresher that that, put that on his instagram but in the lens of that's the tagline in the lens in the lens of freshness not only has gone mage released another new release this year his second release this year after astral corridor but it's not black metal it's still chiptune at times it is indie hyperpop as performed by gone mage which situates itself properly within the narrative of the story uh and before we talk about this album i feel it, it is important to set the kayfabe tone for why this album exists in relation to the story of Gone Mage. I, I'd like to see you distill this story into three sentences, Matt. We're gonna I give you three sentences to distill the story of Gone Mage. I believe in you. Can I have a moment? I need a minute. I yeah, I can I can vamp for time here. Um, you, just, you just edit out this blank piece of time. No, no, we're keeping it going. I, I need people to know how long it takes you to think about this. Um, I find that Gone Mage is... It, it's... It, I feel like Gone Mage is like the... You know, Bray Wyatt's like the patron saint of this podcast in terms of wrestling. 
I'd say Gone Mage is the patron saint of this podcast musically. Uh, because every album he has is something entirely different and something off the beaten path. You know, he takes a lot of inspiration from Nintendo for his more chiptune albums. Uh, but in many ways, he is a Nintendo of music in that he's constantly innovating and introducing new concepts with well-worn ideas. And we're going to get to this with Matt, but one of the things that I found really exciting with Celestial Invocation, his, his latest album, is that you can really pick out so many different influences of, of music. Like, towards the end of the album, there's one song that starts transitioning into like a really raw mayhem sounding mm -hmm. song well in the and, opening and track feels, too there's a little bit of a little yeah, bit that, of that but, gone but made see, sound even that there. feels but even that feels more modern too like it no, feels 100%. different you know different and transformative and yet every time it's thrown into a song it's it feels natural mm. you know mm -hmm. i don't know if i've seen a performer and this comes less you know, this has less weight when I say it because I don't have the the extensive musical uh, background that Matt has. But listening to his albums one at a time and seeing how much he's grown over such a short period of time, it's really incredible. I don't know yeah. that I've seen another performer improve their craft so quickly. What? While and, and, and so greatly, while also releasing so much music, I mean, like so Gone much Mage, music, Gone Mage is just a tiny his... bit of, of of the amount of releases this artist puts out. Yeah, he released he, like he released a new three... metal album. He, he has three. He made new album. He made new metal cool again. He has at least yeah. three. Car at near. He has Gone Mage. He has Homesick. He has um, Marrow Mage. He had a uh, a metal project that i think is now defunct um he's released other weird solo stuff too like he is four constantly and half, four and a half five he's constantly releasing material it is all right so yeah i'm here i'm there three I'm... sentences okay three uh, sentences to get us up to date on god mage up up to celestial invocation man right. i'm just gonna say it now i love a good comma <laughs> as as long as it's a proper sentence, Matt, I will okay. I will call you out. Okay. If the sentence is no longer coherent. After being transported into a video game dimension, Calligram the Mage has taken on a tremendous journey through the many realms of this video game dimension. One, good. Throughout his journey, we have seen many aspects of his journey. Let me restart the sentence. Throughout, okay. throughout Calligram's journey, we have now seen him engage in many different activities, such as the uh, rescue of a curator of dreams, the explorations of nightmares, and a journey to becoming a powerful curator of a dreamlike world. You used a semicolon. I'm very proud of you. Sentence three. We are now being a. We are now gazing through the lens of a moment in time in which Caligram, in his journey and his travels, is taking a rest and engaging in a leisurely activity of watching a mystical basketball game set to the soundtrack of indie pop or hyper pop, depending on how you want to take your lens at it very good matt three uh, sentences it's, it's, a, it's essentially I, a, if you're it's essentially a space jam tribute album if 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 mr if mr mage of gone is listening to this i i i i seek your review of my three sentences and i'm pretty sure i pronounced caligram wrong that's okay that's it feels it feels good calig feels caligram. right i think i got that right i don't know dyslexia yeah, is a and if a it's drug. not maybe Maybe Caligram will be in the next album as some sort of anti. 
anti whatever the guy's name is pronounced is. But I, I thought it sounded good. Um, yeah, so so this basketball game is more or less Space Jam to the point where the description of yeah. the album is this is kind of like Space Jam. Well, no, it says, is this Space Jam? Not quite. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really cool album. You, you've already heard my thoughts in a general sense. Matt, how did this album strike you? Well, I I was less surprised by it because of I follow um, Gone Mage on Instagram. So I kind of knew this was coming. Um, but I didn't think it was going to be good. I don't really like hyperpop. Uh, I've listened to modern hyperpop. Um, I think... I might be saying the wrong band name, like 100 Gex um, is like a, hy- a modern hyper pop band. I've listened to other kind of like noisy pop projects. And I think I, amongst everyone on the podcast, have the most wide ranging of tastes um, when it comes to like what I can enjoy out of music and not just weird metal stuff about clowns, but like I like hip hop and I, I, I like country music and I like folk and I like those things, but I don't like really like pop music. I I really don't engage too firmly with it. Like Olivia Rodrigo is an amazing singer, and I don't like her music. Taylor Swift, incredible artist, I think a great singer. Again, I don't engage with her music. When I listened to this, I was like, I was kind of taken aback by how wonderfully um gone mage was able to portray this style of music um when the when the album starts i was like all right cool kind of we're gonna stay in the gone magey lane i knew it was gonna be pop and not black metal um but i thought we were gonna stay in stay in the lane and then it it shifts into this washed out kind of beautiful noise he even even puts noise pop in in the bottom of the description which i think is an incredible way of representing what this really is but when we get to songs like thunderous calamity where i think the um the chip tune and kind of uh 8-bit synthesized sounds become so beautifully meshed with this kind of indie pop um desire being shown by uh by uh by gone mage here that it, it truly pushes the boundaries of what this kind of style of music can be. I, I genuinely would recommend this album to almost anyone. It's super fascinating to listen to. And I think the little callbacks to the story, like, because this is, you know, this is Caligram, um, like traveling through the astral corridor. Um, and you know, like throw a handheld demise reference in there, just straight up in the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's, he's reducing himself from a nightmare God to his former human self. And part of that is by taking this like really like off kilter step in the story. Right. But what we see is at the beginning that the bookends of the album moments where we get to hear that kind of storyline transition being portrayed through music, which I think is very difficult to do to like can maintain a narrative journey for your character. So, I mean, I'm a big fan. Uh, I I think this is a really another another truly refreshing. And again, even more niche take on the style of music that, that gone mage and and Gary Brent's creates. He, he went from, I think the nichest subgenre style of black metal being played and then and then now is making the nichest version of pop. Yeah. Right. I uh I found this a really relaxing album. Yeah, it's very I, I like I I was vibing out to it. I was really sad mm-hmm. when the album just stopped cuz it was the end cuz I was like, yeah. Which is not um, how I think you would feel if you listened to regular hyperpop, which is the least relaxing not. genre in the fucking universe. Gone Mage has a supreme mastery of noise which is something you pointed out he knows and i feel like his early projects really informed him because i remember the first album i listened to of his felt like almost entirely noise 
you know well your your um, your ability to dive and, into and sure, the music was thinner than as well sure sure but it was a lot more noise focused and i mm-hmm. think that he took his knowledge from that and he's applying it to other things and it's just this beautiful mix of of just different genres together he's doing mm-hmm. what so many other artists could and probably should be doing and, and they're not he's pushing the genre forward which is so special and so cool i really enjoyed this album i enjoyed the sound mm-hmm. i enjoyed everything about it except one thing i thought the lyrics were kind of just okay mm-hmm. i didn't think they were like a super big negative Mm-hmm. Uh, especially cause in his songs. And I think this album in particular, it's way more of a vibe than it is a, like, here's the beginning. Here's the end, yeah. you know? And I mean, I mean, it is he's, there. He's but, watching a basketball game, but yeah, it, it's more of a vibe thing, but can I was you like, pass around the ball. I've got the perfect play to call. Can you pass around the ball? I've got a medium million dreams installed. Yeah. And it's, it's fine. But I, I I preferred his lyrics from prior mm-hmm. albums. Like, I thought Astral Corridors was really strong, you know? Well, and Astral, I mean, I know- it's funny because Astral Corridors, at least I think we talked about this before too, is like one of the heaviest and most aggressive releases from him. You know, and the most black well, metal too. Yeah, well, you know, he, he did get some, some good inspiration for for that as well so i've heard uh but um i i i feel like i didn't think it was particularly bad but i did think if there was one thing where i was like you know constructive i was like that was one thing i was like "Eh, it's okay but you can't really understand it unless you're specifically looking for it anyway so it's sort of a bonus thing more than anything at least for me in my pyrotechnics damaged ears so yeah. take that for what you will i give this a solid four and a half out of five mm-hmm. album um and charm it all the way up yeah Don this Mages is this is like four is and a half charming. out of four charms it gets an extra charm like uh, I, well let's not break rules like right, that now matt it but feels like it deserves it but i'll it give feels it feels like it deserves it and, and i will not breaking the scale just I, this is honestly the best pop album i it depends on how you define pop um this is one of the best modern interpretations of pop yeah i have it ever feels weird heard. to call gone mage pop but this is this is not a black mage this is not a no, black mage this is not a black, black metal album this is not the same genre yes. style of music played by gone it's like ween where ween released like punk albums and like surfer rock and like r- across their discography released like a multiplicative amount of genres in their music this is something completely f- yeah, it's a good word, right? It uh, yes. utilizes like a whole new palette to paint with while still utilizing some of the same, you know, equipment that you would you expect from Gary, but taken to uh, this new realm, quite literally this new realm of existence that is experienced through the Astral Corridor. Whoa. And uh, on that note, we encourage you all to listen to Celestial Invocation. We encourage you all to check out Bulk Mongolian Wrestling. And Abby. we encourage you all to celebrate the life and lore of Bray Wyatt Wyndham Rotunda. Matt, for next week, you have a bit of homework for me, do you not? I do. I I gave I gave Ben his first long term homework assignment, so I wanted to give Ben the assignment of reading a book, and it wasn't for any reason as as stupid as I just described for the sake of shitting on Ben. Ah, uh, what it came from is I personally really want to explore modern interpretations and examples of Lovecraftian horror. We've talked about um the Apocalypse trilogy um from uh john carpenter we've talked about the three direct lovecrafting adaptations from Stuart gordon and those are direct interpretations of lovecraft's work 
And now Lovecraft as a human and individual is a very problematic, very hate-filled individual. And it and it's sad that such beautiful creativity came off such a, a, a person who has stole so much hatred in this world. So what I wanted to do was find diverse modern voices who are taking these worlds and these creatures in the style of horror and taking it in their own way and doing their own thing with it. And so uh, the first, one of the first things I decided to engage with of that world was a book written by N.K. Jemison. Um, It is her book, The City We Became. Now, next week, Ben and I, I, Ben actually read this whole novel. Wow. I'm clapping. Whole thing. You read a whole, you read a whole fiction book. I'm real proud of you. Um, But what's important is, is that we're going to be discussing a piece of Lovecraftian horror written in the modern age. Uh, from a award-winning novelist taking a new lens at both urban fantasy and Lovecraftian fantasy. Um, I'm very excited to talk about the cities we became, um, the world that is being created by this character, and what it means uh, for modern, diverse voices to have their hands on the world and types of creatures and storytelling that Lovecraft brought to all of us in the world of horror. Well, that's great, Matt. Uh, I have homework for you. Shit. I'm ready. Give it to me. Lay it on me. My chest is prepared. Well, you know, you were, you were talking so much about music on this episode. I think, I think technically the wrestling segment was longer, but I digress. That I want to assign you music to listen to. In fact, not even an album. I'm going to put together a compilation of songs for you to listen to. A compilation of songs? Not only is next week's subject going to be the city we became, but I am going to give you the ultimate music playlist for songs sung by pro wrestlers. Why? Why are you doing this to me? What? I I lovingly shared a novel that felt like an innovative lens into modern urban fantasy. And now you're punishing me? You couldn't help yourself by saying I don't read. You huh? don't! You literally said at the beginning of this year, you were making an effort to read books. And you read a fantastic nonfiction book that we talked about earlier. Uh, in the year. And I think actually we talked about on air. Um, but you did that because you didn't read books. You read them now. Don't you? Well, maybe Matt, your attitude will change. It won't. When the fourth times the charm. Good night and good morning. Forever with the underground. And I'll see y'all later. Clap again three, two, one. Clap again three, two, one. That first clap you were super delayed on. Second, I was super delayed. Yeah, you said that three, two, one, and you like waited an extra beat. The second one was three, two, one. Like you were right on no. it. No, three, two, two one. one, zero. Three, two, one, zero. Three, two. Now one, you're consistent because I pointed it out. It's like anxiety. Once you know it's there, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna look back on this. And you didn't record the video. Me. Doesn't matter. I hear it. Ah, that works. That's the whole point of this. This podcast isn't real.